Hello and welcome again to Metamorphosis, the podcast of Trinity United Methodist Church in Piedmont, Missouri. And I am your host, Eric Zintel. In this episode, I am interviewing Kate Boyd. And Kate Boyd, I discovered through social media, through Twitter, through Instagram. Um, she also is on TikTok. And she records these really great, pithy videos that challenge us to deepen our faith and engage in more discipleship. Um, and she tweets, you know, her random thoughts as well as her theological thoughts. And so I will uh, put in the show notes her social media contact info, but also her website, uh, kateboyd.co. And so I just want to read a little bit of her About Me page on that website. I'm a writer, speaker, and Bible teacher who believes discipleship isn't a bucket to fill or a box to check off, but something that should permeate our entire lives and bring together all of us and our gifts and experiences. I spent most of my life in a Bible Belt bubble, and it wasn't until I got a job at a missions agency and got to travel the globe to witness what God was doing that my faith changed forever. And we talk a little bit in our interview uh, in our discussion about that experience that Kate had working overseas with um, Christian churches there. And so her About Me page on her website, kateboyd.co, continues, Since then, I've been on a journey to disentangle my faith from my culture and to create space for finding what to hold firm and what to hold loose. Today, I stand in the, quote, messy middle, end quote, a place with firm roots and Nicene orthodoxy, so that would be like the Nicene Creed that uh, we Methodists recite each month. A place with firm roots in Nicene Orthodoxy and lots of elbow room for most other things. My passion is drawing together the strands of theology, history, and culture to make disciples that believe, act, and become according to the way of Jesus. And so Kate, uh, her website is fantastic. Um, it has a lot of great resources and um, things you can sign up for to get access to uh, her newsletter to a free training course she's doing um, as well as you know you can find information about our podcast uh, happy and holy if you'd like to give that a listen um, and this podcast is interesting too because she says her three goals are to help people become spiritually confident biblically conversant and relationally conscious through this podcast, Happy and Holy. So Kate's got a lot of great resources there on her website, kateboyd.co, and I'll link to her website as well as some of those specific resources that she offers in the show notes. And so if you'll just scroll uh, on your smartphone, if you'll just swipe upward with your thumb or finger, you should find the uh, description and show notes for this episode. Okay, without any further ado, let's get to this discussion with Kate Boyd, a writer, speaker, and Bible teacher who believes in discipleship. All right, uh, Kate, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Um, so you have a lot of different social media accounts and presences and a lot of different content on your website, uh, kateboyd.co. Um, so maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about your background and about some of those resources that you offer. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I, um, gosh, where to start? So <laughs> by day, I'm a communications director um, at a university here. By later in the day, I'm a seminary student. Um, and then, you know, by even later in the day, well, I say that I go to bed at like 830. So it doesn't get that late in the day. But <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you know, really uh, like to show up and make space online for um, and in person um, for 
what I call messy middle Christians, the people who sort of like, I sort of see us as like theologically pretty conservative, but, you know, socially pretty progressive. And so there's a lot of circles that we don't totally fit in. Um, and, and there needs to be a space for doubt and conversation and holding some things tightly and holding some things loosely. And so that's kind of where I, you know, step in the gap, um, online. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram at kateboyd.co and Twitter at the, the Kate Boyd. And I really just like ask questions and put thoughts out there and just try to help people navigate this place where it's very tense in our lives. Um, and I think with that, like a lot of people have questions and they want to get a sense of, you know, we, we just sort of have recognized that there's so much that we have learned that maybe wasn't quite like in scripture, it was more culture, but it was passed down to us as though it was like the truth. Um, and so part of what I like to do too, is like bring context back to the conversations that we have around our faith. And so, um, things like, you know, my email newsletter on tidy faith and the resources that I'm putting together, like my summer training series is really designed to help do that. I want people to be able to look at scripture and their faith clearly and understand, um, you know, the context of not only what they're reading and the story of God, but also like the history and the legacy of our faith that extends beyond this place in this time and this, and our own moment throughout, you know, thousands of years of history. And so it's really important that we kind of realize that even though now maybe feels really weird or kind of sucks for us or we're not sure if it's the right place um that there is there is so much more to our faith and it's been lived throughout the ages and we don't have to worry um you know like it's been preserved it's not going anywhere and we can return to that if we want to yeah, I think that's very well said and a, a great mission um, and passion to have. That's great. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your faith journey or background? Yeah, I mean, I grew, I grew up in a Christian home. I live in the Bible Belt. Um, Christianity has been around me since I was young. I went to a um, Christian school. We were kind of in and out of church, but I, I was getting a lot of Christian, you know, knowledge and and shaping at school so it was not um I didn't really feel like I was missing a church a churchy presence if we weren't going super um consistently and so I would say that a lot of that really shaped me early on I'm super grateful for the knowledge that I've learned um but it very much was like I don't know the evangelical Christianity that, that we see sort of running amok these days that's getting you know, all the press and attention for a lot of the wrong reasons um, was very much a part of my background. And so it wasn't until I got older um, that I started examining that. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to this one job that I ended up getting. So I actually went to seminary out of college, um, but we got married, my husband and I got married and we were super broke. And so I couldn't go anymore. And, um, I, I like to say that back then I wanted to know what to to believe and now I and what to do and what to think and now I want to know like how to think. Um, and so what happened sort of in between that, you know, like decade between 
starting seminary, quitting, and then going back to seminary now, is that I got a job that took me around the world, um, specifically in a Christian, like, house church planting context. And so it was fascinating to see these people for whom Jesus was so fresh um, and their joy was so, or their faith was so joyful and full. And even just like understanding the stripped down sort of faith and practices that they had really made me come home and be like, whoa, okay. (laughs) So now I have to not just reckon with like, is it biblical, but I have to now weigh like biblical on a global scale. Like, does it work in all of these places? Does it work in every time? And, um, you know, when you do that, you see that there's a lot that may, that you thought was like really central to what you believe that actually was very cultural and very American. And so I was like, okay, now we've got a place to start. Um, and so, you know, I decided that I, was, I still love Jesus. I was committed to that. I believe in the church, even though I think that there are things that we can, um, you know, change about it. And so instead of sort of doing um, what people would now say a deconstruction, I call it my, my untangling, my disentangling, like myself from the culture and starting to like pull out the things that were constant, the things that were real, the things that were solid, Um, so I could build upon that and that's sort of like what brought me to where I am today is like combing through all that and finding those simple things so I can present those to people and say no this is what it's about and you can put stuff around it if you want but this is what it's about and anything else you add is a little bit of a distortion okay interesting so I'm curious like what's probably the biggest or most significant or most surprising belief or idea that you discovered was more cultural than biblical? Mm. I mean, so I would say the thing that most changed for me was kind of like a lot of uh, the ways that we think about church. Um, You know, like I, I remember as a young, like as a young person, I was like, I was so the school I went to was Southern Baptist Convention, so I was, like, very in that world. And I remember even in college, like, arguing with people over, you know, whether women should be ordained or whether, you know, baptism should be immersion or infant. Like, it, I was very zealous. <laughs> <laughs> and I am now, but in a different way and for different things. Um, and so I think that's part of it is just sort of, like, realizing how much of this we've made so important like all these like little things that we put on this top tier of beliefs is like integral to our faith and how we operate in the world and they aren't that's not really what it's about Mm -hmm. and I would also say one of the other big things is it's sort of like the idea that my whole uh, purpose is to like escape the world um, instead of recognizing the part I have in its restoration. And so a lot of that has, has really changed my outlook and, and part of that, you know, at least kicked off from those experiences. Yeah. I think those are two great examples. Um, you know, right now, you know, as we're, we're speaking, it's May 28th, uh, 2021. 
And so right now, you know, on there's a big debate going on about complementarianism, this idea that, you know, men and women have different but complementary roles and the men's roles just happen to be all the leadership decision making roles and uh and i really strongly disagree with that um for a lot of different reasons theological philosophical um you know i think i i don't think there's a strong argument for that um, when you look at some of the verses people cite in their historical and cultural context and, you know, Beth Allison Barr uh, is a historian from Baylor University and just released a, a book, The Making of Biblical Womanhood, where she lays out the a very strong argument against complementarianism as, as a lot of people practice it, and basically argues, well, this is cultural, not Christian or scriptural. Um, and then Beth Moore has, you know, recently said, this is a second order issue. We've made it into a first order issue, kind of like what you were saying earlier. Um, and then that other point you made, I think, is another great example that, you know, if you ask, um, I think if you ask your average Christian in America, you know, about their, their faith and you talk talk to them about it, they probably would say, well, I want to go to heaven, you know, and that idea of escaping the world versus restoring the world, bringing heaven down here, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you know, that's a actually a more scripturally based position and is how a lot of Christians, especially in the early period of the church, understood their their mission. So that's another interesting example of how culture can really emphasize this point. And then you start unpacking, well, actually, you know, I went to Africa or went to went to another country and they have a very different view and they practice it very differently. And um, yeah, so that's that's those are two great examples. I just want to kind of amplify those. Um, so my next question was going to be what experiences, people, places, et cetera, have influenced your faith. But so maybe you want to elaborate on some of those experiences overseas, or maybe there's something, some other kind of experience or, or something that you want to talk about. Uh, sure. I mean, um, there were obviously, you know, people who are still formative in my faith here. There are lots of, you know, women who have been a part of my life who have mentored me in various capacities that I'm super grateful for. Um, and and I think overseas what's interesting is um, there's like this, it's, it's really interesting to observe Christianity in a place where it's not the normal thing. Um, and it's, it's very jarring because either you're hiding it from people in a way, like there are countries you sort of have to like fudge whether, why you're coming in and what you're doing and, um, what you would, why you're there and who you're going to talk to and where you're going to go. And then there are places where it's like, okay, but it's like not the culturally acceptable thing to do. Um, and that can go a couple of different ways, but I would say seeing some of these people live out their faith in such like a bold way and in a way where like these people really believe they really believe this Jesus and they like really believe that it's important that people that they know around them believe in Jesus and know about him and that it's crucial um that they be about, you know, like amplifying this in their place, even though it's probably going to cost them. Um, and I mean, and so it's just really f- 
well, I'm going to say fascinating, but I think it's also very moving to do that and to realize, like, to start thinking about what it would look like if I had been born in a different place and if I had had different opportunities. Um, you know, would I have been as fundamentalist about my faith if it was a different faith? And so you just sort of like do all these like weird thought experiments and it really sort of like just makes you think about how much we take for granted as far as like access to um, resources and people and freedoms that a lot of people don't have. Um, And even just encountering, I think too, sometimes we have like these caricatures of other religions um as like well you know they're bowing down to statues and that's like silly of course they couldn't really believe that um or they're doing this or they're doing that like we just sort of like don't think about it from an intellectual or emotional perspective but some of the places i went you know i i stood in a temple where people were sacrificing animals to idols and it's like it is really it's really hard to leave something like that and not have to process it or not be changed at all like people are very devoted wherever they are and it's really fun when that zeal gets flipped into um jesus and it's exciting and it's beautiful to watch um but stuff like that like it will it it leaves a mark and so it's sort of been it's this really very strange tension that i have now in me between like the urgency that there is that people love Jesus and follow him and be a part of this mission that we're a part of, um, you know, while also like being, you know, balanced and, and like loving people and not treating them as like transactions, um, you know, for my own heavenly crown someday. And like, there's a lot of like weird, and this is why I talk about tension so much because I think there just is an enormous amount of tension between the way that we live and the way that, um, you know, we feel and what we believe and what we do and what it means to, like you were saying, like to be people of heaven on earth. And what does that, what does that even mean? Like bringing heaven to earth? What does that even look like? How do we even do that when we're not a part of that physically and we're going to keep falling down? And so, yeah, I mean, just encountering all of these people, um, who have these just like incredible passions for Jesus and, and they don't even have like all the knowledge, you know, (laughs) but they're out there. They are healing people. They are giving up their jobs and walking across the country and mountains to tell people about Jesus, you know, or they're hosting people in their homes and hoping that someday their friends will be baptized in their bathtubs. Like it's, it's a very, um, you know, when people ask me what's my favorite thing about traveling, and I was like, it's the people. There is nothing else that, um, you know, the places I've been have been beautiful, and there have been some really cool things that I've seen and gotten to do, but, yeah, so it's it's the people more than anything that I say would have been formative for me in shifting the way I even think about my responsibility and my joy as a believer. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I could definitely see that. That's really fascinating. Um, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, how many Christians or evangelicals in America are, um, they claim that label, but they don't necessarily 
follow Jesus. <laughs> you know, sure. it, it's like you know, well, I'm I'm not Muslim and I'm not Hindu, so I guess I'm Christian. You know, or I grew up in the Bible Belt, so I guess I'm a Christian by default. Um, or you know, I made a decision. You know, that one time I prayed that sinner's prayer that one time, and now I'm good. I'm a Christian, and and to contrast that with the experiences you describe, you know, I'm sure that would be pretty um, incredible for for your faith. Um, and and so I also want to ask about challenges to your faith that you faced. You know, what what kind of challenges have you faced, if any, um, and how did you respond to those challenges? Sure. I mean, I think so. The upside of having some of those great experiences is that reentry is really hard. <laughs> um, you know, and it, I, I think it's a lot like what a lot of people are experiencing now where there's a, like just this intense disillusionment when you realize the disconnect um, that exists between what people say they believe and what they do. Um, and, you know, what they say is important and what they actually talk about. And um, so it was, it was, there's been a lot of like, I wasn't tempted to abandon my faith, but I think I did a significant amount of remodeling, like I was talking about before, but it, like, I think a lot, you know, about what, what it looks like, you know, would I leave the, the church here? Would I do this or that? And, and I, I haven't reached that point. Um, I still think there's something worth redeeming in it. And so I stick around, um, trying to be a part of that I think I'll know when I'll when it's time if if it if it comes to that I, I hope that it doesn't I believe in the church so deeply um so I think stuff like that I mean the other there's just normal life stuff too right you know we had a, a rough couple of years the last couple of years not just because of COVID but because there was a lot of like family sickness and family drama and other things that just sort of occur that pile on and pile on and you know, sometimes you just sort of, like, get to the end, and it's like, isn't it enough, God? <laughs> you know? And you really start to wonder about yourself, and if you're doing all you can, because I'm always very tempted to go into that, like, how do I fix it um, space, and so there's just, like, a lot of, I think it's been, and it, this is weird to say, because I, I don't consider myself an emotional person, but a lot of it has been a lot of, like, emotional burdens in various ways, um, that sort of like weigh on me in ways that I didn't expect. Um, and I think too, the other challenges, I mean, the reputation of evangelicals right now is, is not good. Um, I, I made a joke about it on Twitter because my, one of my professors, um, I, I go to a United Methodist seminary, but there's people from all sorts of backgrounds. My professor happened to be Catholic and um, we were talking about some different beliefs about different things. And, you know, he's like, well, that's more of, you know, the evangelical. And I don't mean that as a pejorative. And I was like, I mean, I <laughs> didn't, I assumed you meant a label, but also I understand, <laughs> like, that's what it is. And so it's almost like when I, when I see other people question what we're about because of the reputation and some of the people involved, um, you know, it does make me ask questions like, is this right? Is this what we're about? Is this even the thing that I should be involved, involved with if it's, if it's drifted in a certain way? 
and they'd probably say that about things that I say and do. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of like these weird, heavy, emotional ideas are out there that like, when I think about them, sometimes they really just like weigh down as a burden on my heart as I, you know, process things. Um, you know, God has been kind and he has given me love for the people and the places and the things, but, um, yeah, doesn't mean that they're not rough sometimes. Sure. Yeah. There, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of, I want to circle back to, you know, you mentioned deconstructing and, um, I've, listeners, if you're curious about deconstruction. Um, I recorded an episode a long time ago um, trying to define that and give an example of how that might look like, you know, using the life of David, you know, how you might deconstruct Mm. our ideas about David and then reconstruct, you know, what that means for our own faith. Um, And so that, and that's basically, you know, a lot of people are going through a deconstruction phase, you know, or a disentangling phase, you know, where we're looking at our beliefs and saying like, okay, this belief I'm not so sure about, this belief I'm even more sure about, this belief I have no idea, you know, and we're trying to kind of re-figure out our faith. Um, And I would agree with you that I think a lot of people have been prompted to do that because of the disconnect between um, kind of American Christianity or evangelicalism as a whole and and the, uh, the disconnect between what people say that they're they believe and they're concerned about versus what they seem to actually do or actually be concerned about you know complementarianism is a great example you know let's let's say that i'm wrong (laughs) you know let's let's say that they're right let's say women should not preach or teach men you know let's say that that's true why are we talking about that Right, I know. You know. In 2021, there's you know human trafficking, you know sex trafficking, uh, hunger, uh, increasing uh, water insecurity, um, systemic racism. You know there are there's grinding poverty in much of the world. I mean there are so many issues that we could and should be really focusing on and talking about and emphasizing. And that and when people think of evangelicals or think of Christians, they should be thinking about people in the trenches of those issues. And yet that's not what some people are choosing to really emphasize and focus on. It's like, come on. Um, and, and so, yeah, (laughs) it is. Yeah. It puts a burden on your heart, like you said. Um, and, and I, I think that's a good example of the kind of thing that leads a lot of people to say, "I, I don't know about this. Um, or I, I need to at least start thinking about this more critically than I have in the past. Um, so, so that's a good segue into one of my next questions. What are your thoughts on the current state of the church and or Christianity in America? Mm, so I, I think one of the gifts of this year has been my seminary for me because I go to school with Catholics and Anglicans and Methodists and Baptists and all these other kinds of people. And what I've realized is that, you know, evangelicals kind of want you to believe that they're the only ones out there and that they're the only right ones out there. And, you know, even things like complementarianism, like it's like a non-starter in a lot of those traditions. Like, 
they're all they've already been ordaining women for years and years and and so I think it's important to broaden the view of the church because I think when you're in evangelicalism it becomes very easy to see only evangelicalism and and to be fair that's what evangelicalism wants you to do right they sort of do that like in the world but isolated thing in a very oddly public way um and so it's really important to look outside of that. And so I would say evangelicalism is is struggling. I think they're headed for some kind of reckoning. Actually, we're probably in the mid, we're in the middle of it. We're seeing it unfold before us. Um which is it's both the it's a healthy thing, but it's a hard thing. But I also find such, you know, relief when I look at like all the mainline folks, right? Who they sort of went through this a little bit earlier. They course corrected and they survived. Like, yes, there are very conservative portions of those denominations or those traditions, but they've also got these ones that made a lot of what we would say is progress, right? Like they don't, they fight against racism and they hold up equality of women and they do all these things. Um, and and so I think it's easy to look at the American church and because the story is so dominated by evangelicalism that it's really easy to be like, well, the church just sucks. And <laughs> they, sure, there are parts of it that do, and there are parts of it that will always be that way. I think that's just part of, you know, being humans, having a human experience. Like there are groups of us that aren't going to be great together. <laughs> like. <laughs> The Israelites weren't above it. The church isn't above it. And so I think, um, yeah, so I have a little bit of dread when I think about evangelicalism in some ways, but I do think there are a lot of people doing a lot of good work within it. And I think that there is, you know, this emerging group of people that will be, um, you know, that will be able to rise above and hold things to hold some things together. I do think there will be like a conservative split off um as is normal that happens a lot in history um and that'll they'll sort of do their own thing um but when i expand my view beyond evangelicalism i get a lot of hope and encouragement because other people have already done that are we done no but people have already worked through that and they've come out on the other side too and so i think it's important to remember that there's still hope even though it it feels really bleak and burdensome for a lot of us at least for me sometimes yeah yeah i i resonate with a lot of that and i think that's well said and i do i do want to clarify you know for because i know many of our listeners probably identify as conservatives and so like i i think based on you know my interactions with you online on twitter and and whatnot you know what i think you're you probably mean by that is what I would mean by that, which it's not necessarily that there's anything wrong with conservatism or being conservative, but there, there are some notable tendencies among conservatives in the evangelical world, like the Southern Baptist convention, probably being the best example that are not helpful or not productive. Right. Um, Would you agree with that? Is that a fair characterization? I think a better word 
maybe is fundamentalist, yeah, um, legalist. Mm. I think there are sort of it's these extra layers we've added on to the stuff that, like we were talking about before, has become so important that instead of you know unifying around the things that we all believe and agree, there's a section who holds these other things so important that they're willing to detach from the bigger. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, the progressive side has a lot of fundamentalists too. Um, I, I'm in the middle. So I get a lot of like, people don't like me because, you know, <laughs> I'm not as progressive on certain things as they would consider themselves. So, um, or as they think is important to be like, if I agree with them on one thing, I should agree with them on all the things. And that's just not how a lot of life is. Um, and I can still be friends with people that I don't agree with 100%. And so I think fundamentalism is kind of, so in my in my region, in my experiences, that those tend to be the more conservative people, but it's certainly not limited sure. to that experience. So yep. thank you for clarifying that. That is important. Like, I'm actually pretty theologically conservative. Like, other than, like, the women thing, <laughs> there's, like, a lot that, you know, theological progressives are like oh that's weird <laughs> um so i'm i'm with you on most of that <laughs> sure yeah you know i think i think that's a great um a great thing to be you know very precise about you know the you know yeah. fun- so so yeah fundamentalist you know it's kind of it's interesting in the deconstructing community there's kind of a joke about um how a lot of people will come out of very conservative fundamentalist backgrounds and then they become just as fundamentalist about not being fundamentalist or not being conservative, you know, or being more progressive. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would agree with you, you know, there's, there's a, uh, just yesterday I was listening to a a different podcast and uh, they told this joke um, about two Baptist preachers uh, crossing a bridge together and, uh, as they're walking across the bridge, you know, they're discussing different issues and they, you know, there are like 12 issues they decide they're going to discuss and see, you know, if they agree or disagree. And they agree on the first 11 and they're almost across the bridge. They get to the 12th and uh, one Baptist pastor asked the other one about it and he has a different view. So he kicks him off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and And so that's, I think that's a good parable, if you will. Um, that captures what we're trying to say, I think, that, you know, the problem isn't necessarily being conservative or being progressive, um, but the problem, you know, in fundamentalists could be either conservative or progressive, but the problem comes, like you said, when we, when people get in a, a, a state of heart or, and mind where we have to agree on every single theme including a lot of things that are more cultural than scriptural or biblical or Jesus-centered. And if we don't, if we agree on most of them, but if there's this one thing like women preaching or something like that, then we can't associate, you know, we can't be um, in the same denomination. Um, That, that's the kind of, um, that when I, when we were talking about conservatism earlier, that's the kind of thing I had in mind and was like, that's, the problem that's where i see a lot of concerns propping up it was kind of a roundabout way <laughs> to clarifying that but i hope that that's useful or helpful to people 
but what advice would you give for engaging younger people like millennials and Gen Z with the gospel? <laughs> it's funny that you say younger millennials because <laughs> I learned this week I'm a geriatric millennial. Me too. That. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good. That's what I needed um, <laughs> to have the word geriatric in the label about me. Um, well, so I think there's a couple of things. I think people really write off uh, these generations um, as, you know, lazy or silly and frivolous. Um, but they've all, they've both had, you know, very unique challenges. As a millennial, I can say that I've, you know, I've lived through like a bajillion recessions and now a global <laughs> pandemic. Um, you know, one of those recessions happened right after I graduated college. So getting a job was like, not a non-starter um so there's like a lot of things that like we sort of get labeled with that is hard but we've also seen you know the way we've also been growing up at the same time that this the church has sort of like formed into what it is and what we're seeing now and we were shaped by it in a lot of ways and now we're seeing it um and some of us are seeing it in a new light um and gen z is sort of like removed from that they've like come out seeing that um, and, and I think, so we write off, a lot of people write them off because they don't believe the same thing or they don't approach things the same way, um, or they just play on the internet all day or whatever. But actually, like, the first thing is, you know, they're very smart <laughs> and they love teaching each other things and they love telling each other about things. And, you know, they... I'm going to say they can be an asset, and I don't mean that in the sense of, like, well, let's just convert them all so we can turn them into <laughs> evangelists, like, but I think that people um, overlook some of those really great um, skills and assets that are are there within them, and then I think the other thing is to recognize that there has been a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, um, whether that's been experienced firsthand in a church or just sort of this like collective trauma that we're, we're experiencing um, in the events of the world, but also in, you know, the, in this like bigger circle of the church that we're a part of. And so I think the biggest thing is just to like have high expectations because they'll probably, I mean, they'll probably meet them and listen before you really start like lecturing or talking or talking down to them. Um, like, I think it's really important that we just sort of like approach and we listen and that we're willing to sit there and say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's not how it should be. Like if we learned to listen and apologize, um, you know, and ask for forgiveness, like we're supposed to, I think we'd have a much more open door to actually like talk about things or come alongside someone um you know with the potential to have spiritual conversations and you know spiritual effect but you know as long as we sort of like consider ourselves above all of that um we're gonna have a really hard time talking to anyone because that's just like i don't know it's just not a nice way to communicate with anybody <laughs> but yeah. but these generations just won't have it because they have experienced hard things and if you just ignore it or write it off then they know that you're you're not going to take them seriously for anything else either so yeah i think we were also taught you know not to do things that make us miserable 
you know, I mean, I remember my parents telling me, you know, don't work a job that you hate because life's too short to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, I think our, that's probably true of our whole generation that we were taught to seek fulfillment in our careers. So why would we then, you know, subject ourselves to a faith community where we feel dismissed or denigrated or like our concerns and our issues aren't taken seriously, you know? Um, and so that, that listening piece is really key. And it's interesting. I've done a lot of these interviews at this point and listening seems to come up in almost every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I would agree. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Listen well. Um, it doesn't mean you have to agree. You know, it doesn't mean yeah. you have to, you know, um, concede a point, but you can just listen and hear people out and hear how they feel. And, you know, if you're not sure how to respond, it's like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, that really stinks. Yeah. Um, I think the other yeah. side too is um, something that you were saying like we were taught to seek fulfillment and you know joy and happiness and those are good things but I think at the same time we've also sort of um this is this is a tricky part because there is so we've sort of downplayed the cost of discipleship the suffering piece that sort of exists in this great joy that we have in faith too and so for some people, there's this sort of like, well, I can be happier out here, or I can also like, um, and sometimes that suffering thing has been used as like a reason to abuse people, which I understand is like, that's a no go. Um, some people will pretend that the thing or think that the thing that they're experiencing is persecution or suffering and it's not. And so it's sort of like a really tricky line to do, but I think also we need to sort of like as we're having these conversations with people is make sure that we're not you know just selling them this bill of goods like we're not salespeople for jesus it it is really it's hard right um and i think that sort of honesty and transparency actually goes a long way um i think it actually goes a long way in these conversations too because you know i'm not i I can't sugarcoat it anymore. Like there are things about my life that are harder because of Jesus. And there are things that are easier and there are things that are more wonderful. Um, you know, but I think we also just have to like, again, hold that tension of like, there are things that are hard too. And, and we shouldn't expect all this like peace and prosperity and all of that either. Like there is sort of a balance of, of that. And so I think there is like this, yes, sit with people and understand their suffering, but also like be honest that if you come, if you come in, there's going to, there's going to maybe be more. Sure. <laughs> Which yeah. is like a great sales pitch. But I, but I think honestly, it's, if we're, you know, going back a couple of questions, I think that's one of the problems with the American church is like, we've, we've been in power so long we've been at the top so long that we forgot what actual suffering is like hmm. um as as a corporate body and so it's become sort of this thing that the idea is to escape the suffering um instead of having a more robust theology of it and so i think it's important that as you know we reorient this and especially if we're looking at you know breaking away there's going to be a lot of suffering in a lot of different ways um and yeah, so I think we have to hold all of that together. Yeah, I, that's very well said. And I thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, I would agree completely. Um, yeah, I mean, it really, 
not to put too fine a point on it, but it bothers me whenever American Christians uh, talk about themselves as though they're persecuted. Um, I mean, I was, I recently was thinking about this. I mean, we literally, like I teach at a university and we literally have a spring holiday. We call it a spring holiday because it's a public university. We're trying to avoid, you know, we're trying to have separation of church and state. But it just so happens to be Easter weekend, you know? I mean, come on. Like, you know, Christians have, you know, our sacred holidays built into our school and work calendars. Like, I mean, if that's not Christian privilege, I don't know what is. You know, we don't have that for Jewish holidays, Muslim holidays, um, any other religious festivals or holidays or, um, or sacred days. And so... You know, uh, we could just go on and on for another hour about all the ways that American Christianity is not persecuted, um, particularly yeah. in comparison. Don't get me started there. We will not stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, for people to, you know, act as though we are persecuted, um, because you know, it's almost like, well, I want to feel like I'm persecuted so that I think I'm growing in discipleship, right? And discipleship. I think is more, at least in America, the the suffering of discipleship is more like, I'm really agonizing over what I believe and why I believe it. And like, I'm really digging into the scriptures and really trying to study the context. And, um, you know, I think that, so I'm glad you clarified that, that there is a cost to following Jesus and, and that discipleship isn't just all um, happiness. And I, and I think millennials and Gen Z are, um, up for that you know we're up for that cost but we want it to be purposeful you know <laughs> like, yeah. yeah i mean if it's worth it we'll, yeah. we'll do it exactly um, you know yeah. we, we've been through a lot so we know we can do it yeah. um it's just a matter of like is this and that's the question everyone's asking is this a faith that is even worth going through that for and yeah. i think that's that's our burden to answer definitely yeah um so i just have two questions um, that I like to end my interviews with and I package them together. What is one thing that you wish Christians would stop doing right now? And what is one thing you wish Christians would either start doing or continue doing? I, I mean, I think we've sort of circled around it. I think one thing we should stop doing is, you know, um, making it our intention to divide ourselves. I think that's a big thing that we're seeing is like everyone is sort of like putting their stakes in the ground in different camps and it becomes really um, hard then or at least there becomes like this aura of if you're not it's that fundamental thing right around whatever the issue of the day is you know right now it's a big to do about complementarianism and we'll have that again in six months it's just how it goes but so I think there's like this um we've sort of reached this point where we have the ability to be around each other in a way that we haven't before and like just constantly be there and to constantly seeing each other's opinions and giving each other our opinions and then we start to sort of think that those opinions are the most important thing or that those um, those opinions are part of our identity or something mm. and we sort of like intentionally divide ourselves around those things instead of like unifying ourselves around the things that we all do believe you know there's like tons of orthodoxy out there and it's beautiful and it's wonderful but we just we never talk about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know like how different would it be if we actually like 
like came around that like it would be a very different conversation um you know or even you know we were talking about how evangelicals it feels like they sort of cut themselves off already from all these other traditions that you know i just wasn't aware of not to like i knew that they were out there but i didn't know anything about them and i just assumed that of course they're wrong and we're right and that's how it is but there's so much in common and so much overlap and in practice and in belief and um you know and sometimes those practices have different beliefs behind them but they're also really beautiful and wonderful and exciting and so i think we really do ourselves a disservice by not like getting in that um yeah i mean i think if there's something i want the church to do i mean i guess it's just the opposite of that um (laughs) i think i want us to um I want us to get back to thinking about discipleship in a holistic way. Um, And it's sort of tangled up in that, but I think that we've really, because we have so many resources here, we get really, um, at least in my tradition, um, there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of emphasis put on knowledge. Um, And that's what, like, knowledge is wonderful. I'm an Enneagram 5. I power me up with knowledge all day long. I'm here for it. But when we stop focusing on how that, when we start compartmentalizing knowledge about our faith as, like, that's how you know you're faithful versus, like, how you act um, and who you are becoming and your character traits, then we're we're missing a lot of the equation. And so I think if we start thinking about how we are shaping entire humans and not how we're just shaping minds, um, because I I do think the mind is important, but when we only emphasize that, then there's that disconnect. Or like we were saying before, when you see the disconnect, even though they say that this leads to this, but you're not seeing that, then you're not shaping that whole thing. And so I think we've got to sort of return to this idea that... um, you know, everyone is empowered and everybody has gifts um, and everyone, you know, maybe they're not heads, but their hearts or their hands, right? And, or maybe there are other things out there besides just teachers and preachers that can serve us and serve us well. And we actually need all of those people and to not lower those in importance um, because they're part of the body too. Like, Maybe you feel like you can get by with like without a liver, but you probably can't. Like you don't see it, but it's important. And um, so I think it's more of like it's not just unifying around orthodoxy, but it's also like unifying around and elevating all of the different people and shaping them, um, you know, in the way that they could could be and the way that we should be by interacting with each other that way. And that's sort of like a really long, windy thing. And I could talk about that again for ages, but if I were to summarize, that's something that's really important to me, I think. Yeah, I I agree completely. Yeah, um, discipleship should be a holistic thing, you know, instead of really focusing on getting people to make a decision, you know, pray the sinner's prayer, and then making sure they believe, quote unquote, the right things. Um, instead, we really need to be working on, like like you said near the beginning of our conversation, you know, how to believe and how to think and how to move through the world. Um, I think that's, I would agree completely. Very well said. Um, okay, uh, Kate, so I want to 
finish up by giving you a chance to tell people uh, maybe about the summer course that you're taking signups for, maybe about your newsletter, um, maybe about you know your other work and where they can find it and how they can support you in doing that? Sure. Um, I mentioned all my social stuff at the beginning of the show, so you can check that out. Um, but if you're curious about me or any of that stuff or any of the things that we're working on, my website's a really good um, place to sort of use as a hub, um, kateboyd.co, and there you can find my podcast as well. My podcast is called Happy and Holy, um, and I do interviews with guests, but the main um, thing that we've shifted to is um, we, I, you know, have a couple people from the broader community that just sort of hang out with me on social media and we get together and we talk through two chapters of scripture together right now we're going through the gospel of mark and so you kind of get to be a fly on the wall for our small group discussion and it's been really it's been super fun for me um so i hope it's as fun for everybody who listens (laughs) um and so that season just launched we're in may so that just launched out um and then uh, yeah, so over the summer, I and these will be available after the summer, but the summer is when I'm recording them, so you'll be able to sign up to get the recordings, but I'm doing a training series, and like I was talking about before, I really feel like my role is to bring context to people, so I'm doing that in a few ways, so I'm teaching four different little classes that will help do that. One is the big story of scripture, um, one is like, what is the kingdom of God, Um one is uh, like different approaches to studying scripture. And then the last one is a little bit more historical along with theological. So we're talking about creeds and heresy and how sort of we ended up with the creeds because of heresy and what that looks like. Um, and so the things that we see now and um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think it'll be really fun. I'm really excited about them. Um, you can find that on my website too. It's kpoy.co slash training. Um, or if you're just sort of like, looking for a space to, if you're like the people I've been talking about, you know, who feel like they're in the, the messy middle is what I call it. Um, I, my un, I've got a newsletter called Untidy Faith, and that's monthly that um, you can sign up for, and it'll just be like different reflections and resources on what it's looking like um, or what it can be like or how we can all move through this like really weird space on earth (laughs) full of tension as christians and so yeah those are some places that you can hang out and um learn with and from me yeah great wonderful kate thank you so much for your time and and your insights um i think you you definitely made me think um and gave me a lot of good food for thought and i i love that so thank you very much um, well, I'll let you go, and uh, hopefully we can talk o- again at some point in the future. Yeah, uh, I'd love that. Thanks so much for having me. This yeah. was fun. Great. <laughs> Thanks. Have a good evening. You Bye. too. So there you have it. I really enjoyed that conversation with Kate. I think that she is such a great uh, example of questioning your faith and questioning your beliefs but going deeper into your faith and your beliefs and discipleship as a result of that. And I really like how she describes her experience of uh, going overseas and seeing different Christians uh, or seeing Christianity practiced in different ways and by different people in their cultural and social situations and their political situations. You know, we kind of danced around that, but I'm imagining that she was working with Christians and 
um, and churches in some countries where, um, like she mentioned, you know, the government may be really persecuting, not, you know, not in terms of trying to balance different values in a pluralistic society like America, but in terms of this religion is outlawed, um, or you have to, you know, if you're going to try to meet as a community, you're going to have to do it in secret because otherwise we'll break up this church meeting. Um, you know, the kind of things that maybe are happening in China or Pakistan or other countries like that. And so seeing Christianity practice in those places and with such joy and with such conviction, really transformed her faith and I think that that's something that hopefully we can take away from this conversation and um, use it allow it to transform our faith albeit vicariously because we haven't been there necessarily at least I haven't but in hearing Kate's testimony I think we can all um, partake in thinking through how people in other countries other cultures and societies are living out their faith in really powerful ways so thank you very much. As always, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends. Tell your friends to give us a listen. Thanks.